From MGMA, welcome to a new year of the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. You want to live in the mountains. If you want to go to the ocean, if you want to be in the big city, there's a lot of opportunity there. So it's thinking about where you want to be as a human. Where will you thrive and seeking out employment there? That's Lauren Swanson discussing the unique aspects of today's healthcare job market. We'll hear more from Lauren later in the show. We'll also hear from Ashley Voss on an upcoming webinar highlighting MGMA's annual compensation and production survey. But first, a word from our sponsor. Staffing a medical practice is no easy task, but it can be with the help of MGMA's Simple Guide to Hiring series. Christine Kalish, Penny Crow, and Sharon Jenchansky have teamed up on seven titles, all aimed to assist you in recruiting, hiring, and retaining the right staff for your practice. To purchase or preview any selections in the Simple Guide to Hiring series, visit mgma.com or search for Simple Guide in the MGMA store. Are you a healthcare professional who always has the bottom line in mind? Then you're not alone. Join others just like you at MGMA 20, the financial conference, March 5th through the 7th in Nashville, Tennessee. This industry-leading conference is designed to arm medical professionals with the education and tools needed to run a more profitable and efficient practice. Whether you're a CFO, accountant, physician, consultant, or other related position, the Music City is where you'll want to be this spring. To learn more, visit the events page at mgma.com. A new year is upon us, and with it, another opportunity to tackle an ambitious list of resolutions. One of those resolutions might involve finding and landing a new healthcare position. Despite historically low unemployment numbers, it's a great time for medical professionals seeking fresh starts. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor, employment of healthcare occupations is projected to increase by 1.9 million jobs from 2018 to 2028. That's more than any other occupational group. The opportunities are clearly there, but how can you take advantage of them in today's healthcare job market? Here to answer that question and many more is Lauren Swanson, Senior Manager of Human Resources Talent for MGMA. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. So tell us a little bit about your background in healthcare HR and how you got to MGMA. Yeah, absolutely. So um, similar to MGMA being founded in a Midwestern state, I'm also from the Midwestern state of Ohio, um, graduate of Kent State University in organizational communication. Graduated right around the time of the Great Recession, which I know we'll talk about a little bit more, um, 2009. Um, not a lot of opportunities at Cleveland at that point in time. So I had the opportunity to move out to Denver um, and then eventually fell into a pretty remarkable um, healthcare system in Denver. So um, predominantly around research, um, clinical-based, clinical translational trials. So I had a lot of great opportunity for nine years to be able to learn the healthcare ba- basics and background that I can eventually tap into working here at MGMA. So having that foundational aspects and being able to provide continuing education, acquiring the best and brightest from a talent perspective, um, and in turn finding these employees at MGMA to um, help to do the same for other healthcare industry folks. So, and and of course it touches a handful of people. So it's um, our communities, it's our patients and our families we serve. So knowing that full scope of how much we touch, it, it's remarkable. Yeah. 
Now, we're going to talk a lot about the job market, mm-hmm. uh, the job market in the healthcare industry. So let's talk about that. Let's first just look at the U.S. job market. I know it's in a very unique situation. We've heard a lot about the historical unemployment rate. So tell us a little bit about that and what that dynamic means to people looking for a job. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I mentioned before, um, 2009, we were in the Great Recession, but for the past 10 years, we've been pretty lucky. I would say job seekers have been pretty lucky that our economy has recovered. So nationally, when we're looking at BLS.org, we have a 3.6% unemployment rate. So that is in October of 2019. And this is the lowest it's been since 19. 69. Pretty amazing. And um, just from a personal perspective, Colorado is even lower at 2.6%, even lower than that for um, those of our members and listeners in Vermont, North Dakota, and Utah, even lower at 2.5%. So there's so many additional opportunities for job seekers, and especially in healthcare. In September, um, according to Modern Healthcare healthcare article that came out, there were 38,000 healthcare jobs posted alone which um, makes up 30% of the overall hiring in the United States. So um, so what does that mean to the hiring process? I know that I talked to your colleague, Jenny Morales, last year, and she was talking about how many uh, job applications you get during a traditional market versus the one that we're seeing right now. So what, what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So as far as the traditional market, when... Um, Traditional markets, there's a little bit more opportunity for some passive recruitment, which means the magnitude and the numbers of applications that we have coming into careers boards, specifically in healthcare, um, are typically around 100 to more a day. Um, and now, as we are with such a drastically much lower unemployment rate, we see, what, six, sometimes seven applications a day, especially for those highly specialized roles. So the recruiters in the healthcare set are having to do a little bit more of what we would think of um, as a traditional cold caller. So reaching out, doing sourcing, trying to find those candidates in the pool um, that might be passive, that would be potentially a good fit for the organization. Mm-hmm. Do we know the dynamics behind this tight job market? I mean, is it just, it's at capacity, but but why? And, and, wh- and what does that mean to people out there who, they may be at a current job, but mm-hmm. but they may, they may be where they can't move up in their current job, but they, they wanna see that opportunity elsewhere. So what do they do? Right, um, and Daniel and I actually encountered this recently <laughs> myself. Um, so of course, sometimes when we look at the environment, we look at society in general, we see just societally a lot of baby boomers that aren't retiring. We see people that want to work longer. They want to continue um, to feel, feel valued in their organizations. So that leaves sometimes the more younger generations that have to move around a little bit more frequently and might appear as job hoppers, um, which in some circumstances, especially I, I would say more entry-level healthcare roles in particular, um, just in my experience as a healthcare recruiter, we would see a little bit more flexibility because they can make a dollar or two more elsewhere at another organization, and a dollar or two more can make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Now we had talked last week, um, and we were talking about the job market. You mentioned that it's a something you called a buyer's market. Define that for us. What does that mean? Sure. Um, So in learning and organizational development, so essentially that's professional development, succession planning, so on and so forth, um, there are three Bs I like to refer to. 
which um, it, it's also in an article by Charlene Lobby. She's also known as the HR bartender. So if you're an HR geek like I am, you might know of her. So buy, build, borrow. So whenever there is a position that is identified, um, a leadership team or rather a hiring manager team can identify, do we want to buy? Do we want to go out to market and find someone outside the organization? Do we want to build from within? Are there current people in the organization that are ready to move forward? Or do we want to borrow, which is essentially contracting? So what I mean by a buyer's market is ideally it, it's we need to buy right because oftentimes the resources aren't within because they have left and they've gone to other institutions for the promotional aspect um, so we are seeking out people from the outside and because there's 38,000 opportunities nationwide it's a buyer's market they have greater opportunity yeah so with the dynamic that we have right now where people if they do want that new job, that different job, do they have to um, have a different mindset, meaning do they have to be willing to move? Uh, you know, you have, we like to, some of us like to set down roots, be at a, at a particular place, but if you do want to move on, get a different job, do you have to at least be open to that more so than in the past? I would say it probably depends on your personal preferences. Um, when, of course, we look at the unemployment rates, and, and specifically Denver, just doing a little bit of research prior to our conversation, Daniel, we had 1,600 RN jobs, 215 healthcare administration, and over 150 physician positions open in Denver. Um, while in New York, there's 5,800 RN jobs, 6,800 healthcare administration, and 440 positions. So I think um, just knowing specifically in the bigger cities, there tends to be more opportunity. So if you want to live in the mountains, if you want to go to the ocean, if you want to be in the big city, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, but then we look at some of the smaller towns. We look at the Youngstown, Ohio's. We look at um, small towns in Iowa. There's also great opportunity there as well. So it's thinking about where you want to be as a human. Where will you thrive and seeking out employment there? So I would say you can look at multiple realms, right. honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the market, we've been talking about it already. It's, it's very tight. So let's really boil it down. Who has the leverage? Who has the power here? And what does that mean in the hiring process? Right. Um, so speaking as a recruiter, this is probably unique to say this, but I would say that there's definitely more power and empowerment specifically for the job seekers at this time. Um, recruiters are doing everything that they can to find the best person. And sometimes we lose out on negotiations by um, offer high or higher offers by two grand, right? So it's definitely tight um, for the recruiters and great opportunity for the job seeker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, um, in doing some research for this and being a, a job seeker at various times in my life, mm -hmm. you know, there was a, a set of qualifications. You know, you, you, you looked at the job uh, ad, you went, wow, that sounds like me. I can do that job. Um, but nowadays, it seems like there are other elements in there as well. What are some of those? Absolutely, Daniel. I think there's a multitude of other things that um, healthcare recruiters and hiring managers and healthcare organizations are looking for. So I think number one is looking for solutions-based thought. 
So to come to a, a Teddy Roosevelt quote that I always have in my office, so um, bringing up an issue, so complaining without providing a solution is called whining. So essentially, I know this sounds a little bit negative, but it, there's a positive turn to this, right? So it's reframing. So it's having the tools to identify an issue and then also making recommendations. How would you make it better? That's definitely something that healthcare systems are seeking. Um, in the constant um, changing healthcare industry, there's always changes that are coming. You have to be cutting edge, and a huge key element of that is being resilient. So there's going to be quite a few questions that potentially your hiring manager may ask to identify, how is this person going to be a change agent? Are they going to be resistant, or are they going to be willing to step up to the plate and to help guide, even when things might feel a little uneasy? Um, of course, also walking the talk. So a lot of people um, interview well, right? Some people practice, they have executive coaches to help them do that. But looking for specific examples in their responses as to how they specifically acted in that situation, um, that is a key piece. And then lastly, um, because unemployment is so low, because there's endless opportunities, it's tying a lot to Lean Six Sigma, right? So the ability to be fluid um, and go to places, to look at processes, to be willing to step in where it might be potentially lower than your pay grade or sometimes above your pay grade. So it's willing to jump in where you can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you mentioned uh, Teddy Roosevelt, I thought you were going to say, speak softly and carry a big stick. <laughs> that would go really well in a job interview. But <laughs> could you speak up, sir? Um, so let's talk about uh, the art of the interview. Mm -hmm. So really, part of it's qualifications. Part of it is finding that uh, cultural fit. Mm -hmm. Do we get along with this person? Do I get along with this organization? Sure. But then there is that interview process. So what are some tips, some tricks, some uh, anything that can help our listeners uh, get that competitive edge to get that job in the interview process? Sure. So I think that there's very obvious ways, right? So doing your research, um, looking at Google, looking at Yelp, looking at Glassdoor, all of the things that are at your fingertips at your computers or on your phones or even in the libraries if you don't have that technology available. Um, getting the story um, before you even walk in the door can help you to formulate your questions on um, learning. Would this be a cultural fit for me? And two, the, what the recruiter's looking for, and thinking about it from a diversity and inclusion and equity piece, will this person be a culture ad? Will they um, be bringing up new ideas that we never thought of before and create synergy to help us to provide better patient care? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in that interview, now you and I were in a supervisor training meeting recently. You helped uh, guide us through some of that and told us about some of the changing laws, uh, just this changing culture, cultural mores that are um, in place now. So there's certain things you, you can't say in a, in a job interview that you used to could or things you can't bring up. So what are some of those, what are some of the things to avoid in that job interview as the person who's in there to try to get that job? Sure. Um, so Oftentimes, establishing rapport can be difficult for both the interviewer and the interviewee because they don't understand the things that they can and cannot talk about. So something that may seem so innocent is if asking, um, how did your weekend go? Yeah. And that can oftentimes get us down into the rabbit hole of, 
okay, they have children. They um, do X, Y, and Z on the weekend. How um, potentially, when we think about Title VII and EEO and affirmative action, how potentially it could go down that way. So as a candidate, I think it's important to know that if the interviewer is not asking you some more personal questions, it might be because they don't want to get down into that rabbit hole. Focus specifically on the relevancy of your ability to not only meet that skill set, but also do you have the competencies um, and the actions, the demonstrated actions to be successful in the role. So just be prepared that potentially they, it might seem like they don't want to get you right. to know you personally, but they probably actually do. And they're probably itching to ask you to learn more. But yeah. of course that comes after the offer. Sure. Yes. Yeah. That seems like a real fine line. You have to uh, you know, balance there as the employer because you don't want to come across as robotic, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you don't want to cross those lines and get into trouble where there could be potentially could be lawsuits down the road. Because you were telling us there, there are certain questions that could be asked, and then uh, months or years down the road, a, a lawsuit appears because they feel like they were unfairly targeted in that in that. Uh, job interview can you give us an example of something where yeah. it could result in a in a lawsuit or legal action sure um, oftentimes it's the unsaid um, so of course it could be um, basis of the color of your skin religion came in a hijab and you feel that potentially you weren't considered because of dress code that could be an instance um, another instance would be um, are you planning to have any children in the future Right, so that is definitely a red flag and a mm-hmm. legal question. Um, of course, you might think it would be relevant to the roles, knowing if they would be in the office. However, it is not appropriate to ask. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, as, as we were talking about in that supervisor training, um, you know, often there's that question, so what do you like to do when you're, you know, not in the office? And if people have kids, it's around, it's geared around kids. I've got a, a, a daughter who's a, a cheerleader now, and I've just gone through competition season so I've spent my weekends and some nights and even had to schedule some time to leave early to uh, be there for her competitions and so by bringing that up right that's what you were telling us that could be an issue Um, potentially yeah it it could be and I think um, if you do as the candidate bring up something you may see um, the interview interviewer won't write that down number one (laughs) and number two they may potentially say that you know um thank you for sharing and please know that this won't be considered a factor in considering um if you're chosen for the role or not yeah so if it seems a little rigid as a candidate know that it's because of those safeguards that are in place as far as making sure we're compliant with u.s law sure so are there? I, you've been through this for years. Uh, <laughs> done the interviews. You've been in interviews. What's like some of the most off the wall or crazy interview questions or answers that uh, you've been involved in? Sure, and, and I don't know um, if I've specifically asked them, but I definitely have been on the other side as the candidate in the past, um, and knowing some of the questions my hiring managers asked. So I think um, one of the interesting ones: Are you more of a hunter or a farmer? Okay. Um, which you may wonder, how is that relevant to the role? If it's for a trainer or, for example, a recruiter, it makes more sense. Right. The, the hunters being the recruiters and the farmers being more of the trainers, right? Okay. Um, so that piece, if you're a new addition to the crayon box, what color would you be and why? <laughs> that is another one. Um, and then how would you make a sandwich? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So those were some. Are there different ways to make a sandwich? I Apparently. Okay. Yeah. 
If you happen to um, be asked one of those questions that are kind of off the wall, um, know that sometimes it might be a question to see what's your motivation. Um, what is um, the potential for you to be a cultural fit? And if there's something that's even above and beyond kind of interesting, don't be afraid to be curious to ask, you know, this is a unique question. Can you share with me a little bit more why potentially this was included in the set of questions for XYZ role? I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, we had talked offline about salary. I know there's some changes that are going to be coming down the road in Colorado in 2021. We don't need to touch on that too much for right now, but that's always a kind of a, a gray area when you're in that interview, when you start people, either the employer's asking you about salary or you're asking them, what what's the right uh, balance to strike there? So you you sound confident and you sound like you're interested in the job, but you don't either price yourself out or, you know, how do you strike that balance? Sure, and I can speak from both perspectives. Um, And I know this is quite common in the healthcare systems right now. with the Equal Pay Act that will be coming out in the future, um, recruiters will no longer be able to ask what your minimum requirements are. So that's 2021. However, for 2020, right, right. Um, uh, something that recruiters will ask you um, if they haven't asked you before is what are your salary requirements just from the get-go to make sure are we on the same page? Um, we recognize, I think, both as a candidate, as a human being, as a candidate, as a recruiter, that time is valuable. So making sure that we are on the same page from the get-go. Um, if you are the candidate, candidate and you don't want to be potentially immediately striked out, you might potentially put negotiable Mm -hmm. um, specifically on your application. And sometimes that can give you a little bit more talk and a little bit more potential down the road to negotiate. Okay. Mm -hmm. As we talk about the job interview and the the job um, acquisition, you know, getting that job, what are some best practices you can give us? Because people can go out there and Google things. There's always these tips here and tips there, but from your perspective, from the MGMA perspective, um, what are some best practices that people can take? Sure. Um, so I think there's a multitude of opportunities to make sure. And, and number one, Daniel, I think you mentioned earlier about culture fit. And I know we have a handful of podcasts already out there, so yeah. we won't go down the way. But doing your research prior to seeing, is this where I truly want to be? Um, and with unemployment being so low and being so many opportunities out there, you have more flexibility as the candidate or the job seeker to say, is this the right fit mm-hmm. for me? Um, and, and determining what motivates you. Are you driven by money? Um, oftentimes when you're seeking employment at a nonprofit, they may not be able to give you the money you want. However, there's that connection to the mission, vision, and values. Is that mm-hmm. more of a fit for you? So mm-hmm. think about what motivates you right? Um, and then help that to guide you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's such an interesting process to go through that, that job interview. Uh, you get led around the office. You meet different people. and um, But at the same time, it... You don't have the, uh, we don't have a crystal ball. We can't say, okay, I'm going to take this job and it's going to work. So are there some other tips you would give people to, to, you know, reflect and, and do additional research to make sure, okay, I like the supervisor. I kind of like, you know, I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing here and over there, but what are some things you can do to, to at least equip yourself with the best opportunity to find the job that's the right fit? Sure. Um, I think absolutely talking to your network. 
Um, and I would say that is something that some people don't realize how important and powerful having a network is, especially in the healthcare industry. Asking around, seeing um, what have you heard? How um, do you see me fitting in? And oftentimes that's through mentorship, um, which that's another key and integral part to being successful, right? So having someone who has potentially been there before, sharing their experiences to say, hey, d- is this a fit for what I want to do from where I want to take mm-hmm. my career? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now in that in that interview process, there, there's often that opportunity where they turn the table, the uh, employer does, and says, so do you have any questions you want to ask us? What are, are there one or two just great questions that a person can ask that it's impressive to the employer? <laughs> sure, absolutely. So I will first start off saying that if you don't have questions, that, that might potentially be kind of I don't want to say a red flag, but a red flag, right? That potentially they didn't do their research. Maybe they're not really interested. So the mm-hmm. recruiter might have these things going through your, their minds if you don't ask. I think a key thing to ask and what I think excites me um, is specifically when a candidate asks, well, how will my role specifically impact the vision? Mm-hmm. How will I be a bigger part of um, a bigger part of the whole sum of its parts? So recognizing how they fit into the puzzle. The other key element, um, too, is recognizing that um, finding out specifically what they're doing for compassion fatigue. And I know that this is another hot topic, especially as the industry is constantly evolving. Patients are coming to us, they're sick, they're not feeling well. Sometimes their unhappiness, because things aren't going well, comes over onto us and we feel exhausted. Mm -hmm. So it's asking the question, what resources and tools are available, continuing education opportunities to help guide healthcare professionals through some of, maybe some of the tougher times and through the change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just want to go back to that term you use, compassion fatigue. Let's let's revisit that for just a second. That's really interesting. I hadn't heard that before. Or what, oh, really? what is that? Yeah. Sure. So compassion fatigue tends to um, happen specifically to care providers. Okay. Um, and I would say, or even customer service providers, when we're thinking big picture, whether it's across the healthcare industry or other industries. So it's oftentimes you're giving so much that sometimes you forget about yourself and your own needs and maintaining stress levels um, that you become exhausted. Oftentimes um, you don't care you're tired you don't want to come to work anymore and sometimes that can be an an option that and why people want to leave to go from one organization to another um and i'll say it's prevalent in the healthcare industry Mm -hmm. especially in hospitals um and it's sad to see and um i hope that people realize and recognize there's a handful of resources out there to help them with stress management and coming back to why they chose the career path they did sure um now, some of our listeners might not be aware of it, but uh, the resources that MGMA has available to job seekers. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell us what's available out there for people and what they can learn there. So there are a multitude of um, resources that are available specifically through MGMA, which I know that a lot of our listeners probably came to this podcast potentially through one of these sources. So of course there's find a job um, that is out on our careers board on our MGMA website. So we have nearly 4,000 jobs posted as a t- at a time by over 1,800 um, employers. So you can either specifically apply to a job or also there's something I like to call um, somewhat of a, a talent network where you can put your resume in um, and 
then the recruiters can specifically seek out you. As I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, kind of like the gold colors, the sourcing, seeking out those resources to see potentially what they would be a good fit. Um, the second item are the job seeker resources. So there's a, a multitude of resume resources. So there's a free resume review. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Free resume review. Um, there's a salary calculator, which is calculating your worth um, and seeing potentially where you might want to take your career path um, if you are motivated by money, which we're human yes. and, and we, a lot of us work to play. So oh, yes, knowing we where we want to go and the money we want to make is helpful. Okay. Um, career advancement. Um, so of course there's our podcast, there's member tools, there's papers that are written by our fellows, there's insight articles, variety of things that are available at your fingertips as well as interviewing and benefits resources. So when you're interviewing, and, and as we chatted a little about a bit about earlier, it's moving more to a scenario base that people are seeking to see how you acted specifically in a situation. So coaching and guidance for that, as well as benefits analysis tools to say, is this the right benefits package for me? And that's definitely something I would recommend candidates consider is the total compensation package. Yeah. Um, where would someone go to find that? Do you have that... Uh web page or access for us? Absolutely. So if you go out to mgma.com um, and you'll notice at the top on the tabs there's careers and you'll be able to be drawn into the our careers board specifically from there. Okay, perfect. So are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with us about the employment process and what it looks like in today's you know, job market? Sure. Um, so just some lasting thoughts. And, and we shared that unemployment is so drastically low that this gives the candidate greater opportunity to, to sometimes step outside your comfort zone. Is there a different specialty you want to get into? Is there another leg of the healthcare industry? Would you want to work at MGMA, right? There's a, a multitude of opportunities right now um, because there's a high supply of jobs. So take the opportunities and um, don't be afraid to take risks and guide your way. Well, Lauren Swanson, Senior Manager of Human Resources Talent for MGMA, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Daniel. Thank you for having me. As Lauren mentioned, MGMA has a wealth of educational resources available for members and the healthcare community at large. Webinars are a prime example, and there's one coming up in a couple of weeks we'd like listeners to be aware of. Our special guest today is presenter and MGMA senior data analyst, Ashley Voss. Ashley, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So on January 14th, you're going to be leading a webinar on the MGMA compensation and production survey. Um, what's the primary goal you want to achieve in this webinar? Sure. Um, so on the 14th, we'll be just basically doing a step-by-step -step demo on how to participate, kind of an overview. Um, and then we really are going to dive into some of the um, struggles that folks have when participating and just really tips and tricks on how to make participation easier for the user. Okay. Now, for any of our podcast listeners interested in attending, what can they expect to learn in that webinar? Yeah, so we're going to really take a dive into um, how to participate on the web-based platform, um, what things they should be including in some of the nuancy questions, and then also um, if they're a larger organization, how to you know utilize the Excel in a more um, easy manner, copying, pasting, um, uploading into the platform, um, 
ways to make um, that upload process successful for them. Okay. Now, if they're going to be in attendance, are they able to ask you questions live? Yeah, so we'll have a platform where they can actually type in their questions, um, and then either myself towards the end, um, or we'll have another analyst on answering questions in real time. But if there's anything that I need to redemo or anything like that, um, we'll definitely save time for that in the webinar. Okay. Now, you're frequently talking with MGMA members about the different surveys. What are some of the common questions that you hear uh, about this particular survey? Sure. Um, really, it comes down to um, the way that they're they're submitting their data. So if they're able to provide um, all of their management and staff into one line versus breaking them out by title or um, what the definition or what they should be including in certain questions. Um, and we'll go through on how um, to access all of that, the where the guide will be for them to be able to really um, utilize that guide while they're going through in the guided experience. Okay. Now, is there anything new about this year's survey versus last year's or past year's? Yeah, a little bit. Um, we've tried to really break down um, the practice level versus the provider and staff level questions. So a lot of the um, demographics that used to be in the comp survey have now moved into that practice profile setting. So really it's a one-stop shop for all their practice information, um, which they can go ahead and get set up now. Um, and then they can really dive into the provider side and really focus on that and the management and staff level as well. Ashley Voss, Senior Data Analyst for MGMA, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. To register or learn more about this free webinar, visit the events page at mgma.com. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guests, Lauren Swanson and Ashley Voss. To post a job or browse hundreds of available positions nationwide, visit the MGMA Career Center at careers.mgma.com. You can also search for related articles, podcasts, books, webinars, member tools, and other resources at mgma.com resources. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. We love hearing from listeners about the show. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Thanks for listening.